0: Редактор and I'll have the rest of you open to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Today I'm going to stir up your minds by way of remembrance, and we're going to look at a passage, a familiar passage, a passage we've talked about in times past, but a much needed passage for today, because I'm hearing more and more people right here in our own congregation saying, I'm going through a tough time. The odds are against me. I'm in a tight spot. What do you do when you're going through a hard time? By the way, if you're not in a growth group, let me invite you to mine. Have you heard of Max Lucato? He's got a series, six week series, that we're doing together as a growth group called um, You Will Get Through This. Starts today. We're going to be meeting, I believe, in the library, BYOL. Bring your own lunch. Grab a sandwich, I'm going to Subway after the service, going to get one of those little six-inchers and some chips, and we'll have a little meal together, we'll pop the DVD in, and then we'll go through that series. But it's the life of Joseph. Did Joseph go through a tough time? Was there a time in his life when he thought, man, I'm never getting out of this? If you were to ask one of Joseph's brothers, as they just said bye-bye and sold him to Ishmaelite traders as he was on his way to Egypt that he would ever become the prime minister of Egypt. What are the odds of that, right? But you know what? He became prime minister of Egypt. He was in a pit, sold into slavery, in prison, number two man in all the kingdom. What are the odds? He beat the odds. You know, you are seven times more likely to be struck by lightning than to win the lotto. And what are the odds of Joseph becoming number two man after just being thrown into a pit? Speaking of odds, uh, let me share a few odds on how you might die. You know what the odds of you dying in a car accident are? One in 100. Dying by murder? One in 300. This is American stats, okay? One in 800 dying in a fire. Electrocution? One in 5,000. Flood? One in 30,000. Tornado? One in 60,000. Venomous bite or sting, one in one hundred thousand. Lightning strike, two point eight million. Food poisoning, one point. I'm sorry, one in three million. I'd have thought I'd been lower than that. Some of the places I eat. Dying in an airplane with a bomb on it, one in thirteen million. The odds are against you dying that way. All right. But there are times in life when the odds are against you. What do you do when the odds are against you? What do you do when there's a tight spot that you find yourself in, like this little guy? I mean, that dude's just hanging on, just barely hanging on. I'll tell you what you do. You know one of the names of God? I've been trying to teach you the names of God. Jehovah Jireh. We all know what that means, right? God provides. And what did he provide in the thicket next to Abraham at just the right time, at just the right place, at just the right need? Jehovah, Jireh. He provides. But what do you do when you're in a tight spot? What do you do when the odds are against you? You turn to this guy, Jehovah Nissi. I am the God who redeems and rescues you. He's a rescuing God. So you're in Second, uh, you're in Second Chronicles chapter 20. The background is simply this: three enemy nations have come against lowly Israel. We're in the days of the kings. Now, King Good King Jehoshaphat's on the throne. And the army's not really up to full power. And three enemy armies surround Israel, and they're going to take them out. Tight spot? And he prays to God. He knows where to turn. He's facing a triple threat. But really, the odds are against him. Chances are, he's not going to make it. So why is this story in the Bible? It's there to teach us how we're to handle the overwhelming battles of life. When the odds are against you. Imagine yourself. You're in prison. No, you're not just in prison. You are on death row. Date's been set for you to be killed. Okay, you there? What are the odds of you getting out of that? What are the odds of you not only getting out of that, but you end up becoming... The prison chaplain. No, that never happened. What if you were dubbed the meanest man in Texas? Not by yourself. That's not a self-given name. That's been given to you by law enforcement. That's been given to you by the prison um, what do you call the guy? The warden. That Actually happened. The guy's name was Clyde Thompson. I met this guy. He came to speak to the preacher boys when we were in college. When we thought, man, the odds are against us of ever graduating, never making it through finals. No, he came and talked to us and said, Let me tell you my story. Preacher of the gospel. God worked that out. Isn't that amazing? And you're thinking, wow, I don't know if God can help me with my problems. Well, if he helped Joseph, if he helped Clyde Thompson, he can help you. But, you know, there's certain steps you've got to take to make that happen. Step number one, are you ready for it? Turn to God first. You know, we turn to everything but God, don't we? You know, we look to family, we look to friends. Who's going to bail me out? How am I going to fix this? You know, sometimes we look to our own ingenuity. And God says, you know what? When you're in a tight spot, when the odds are against you, when you're on death row... (laughs) You turn to me when you're ready to make some changes in your life. You turn to God first. You do not pass go. You do not collect $200. Too often, you know what I've noticed, is prayer for the Christians becomes a last resort. Have you ever heard someone say, well, I guess all we can do is pray. And someone said, has it come to that? Really? Prayer? Are we down to that? No, that's the very first thing you should do when you're in a tight spot, when you're in a jam, when the odds are against you. 2 Chronicles 20, verse 1. Are you there? Look at it. 20, verse 1. What are the first two words? After this. Now, we're not going to take the time to do it, but whenever you see an after this, It's probably a good idea when you go home today to go back and read what happened before this, right? What happened just before this? What you'll read is great revival had just broken out in Israel. Spiritual blessing was taking place. Prosperity was everywhere. There was a chicken in every pot. I mean, things are going really, really well. Some of you are thinking, boy, I wish those times would come back for me. Remember a time when things were going really, really well? And then the bottom fell out of your world? After this, the armies of the Moabites and the Ammonites and the Mennonites and the Termites and the Dynamites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, good king Jehoshaphat, just trying to serve God, just trying to serve his country. And he was afraid. I would be too. you got three enemy armies surrounding you. I don't care how big you are in this room. Some of you big guys, you go out in the parking lot, you find yourself surrounded by three bigger guys with baseball bats, chains, knives, weapons. They surround you and say, give me your wallet, Jack. I can't run anymore, so I'll just give him my wallet. (laughs) You'd be afraid, right? It makes sense to be afraid when the odds are against you. That's good King Jehoshaphat. That's what's going on in his life. It's it's reasonable to be afraid. You're saying, Bruce, should we never expect blessing? No, expect blessing. But also expect what? Battles. You're going to have both in life. Israel had blessing and Israel had battles. You're going to have blessings in life. You're going to have battles. In life, But don't be afraid. He was afraid. I understand it. And so he decided, I love this, to ask God what to do. That's point number one. Turn to God first. Ever have a day when you lose your job, the toilet backs up, and the car breaks down all in the same day? Three things I would not want to have to deal with. He's having a bad day. Not just a bad day. Israel's having a bad day. Now, what's overwhelming your life? What's got you going right now? Recently, we've had a number of people out of jobs, out of work. We've been praying for them, and I understand, I think, two have already received a job. We're still praying for a third one, I know for sure. Someone in here is underemployed. Maybe you got a job, but you're underemployed. I mean, it's just not, you're barely making it. You need prayer. You need to turn to God first. And you say, well, you don't know. Man, I'm I'm over 60 years of age, and they're looking for the younger people. the The odds are against me. I know. Turn to God first. You know what I'm talking about here? You ever felt like it was all stacked against you? Turn to God first. Don't be intimidated by your problems. Don't be afraid of your problems. Let it motivate you to pray more trust more and expect more. Amen. Number 2. Talk to God about your situation. When you're in a tight spot, when the odds are against you, talk to God about your situation. Don't turn your prayer life off. I can't tell you how many times people have come to me with a prayer request and they're frustrated and they're saying, "Bruce, would you pray for me? I got this problem." And I said, "Well, how's your prayer life?" "Oh, not so good." What? They just lay this heavy-duty thing that they're going through on me, and they haven't even been praying about that. Oh, I've been down, I've been discouraged, you know. I, I had a, a youth minister friend of mine years ago who was going deaf. He was losing his hearing, slowly but surely, and every day he was losing more and more and more until finally he couldn't hear anything at all. He learned to read lips during that time, And I said, Bobby, how's your prayer life? And he says, Bruce, I haven't prayed in over a year. Whew. Odds were against him. Have you ever heard of something called a cochlear? Coch- I'm not sure I'm saying this right. Co- cochlear implant. Did I say that right? He was one of the first recipients of that. And when he would call me on the telephone, he lived in Texas or New Mexico. When he'd call me on the telephone, he'd be on one line, his wife would be on the other. She would repeat what I said and he would read her lips. He would respond and she would talk to me. And one day he called me and we're talking. I'm going, boy, this is really going fast. Bobby, I said, how are you talking so fast? How are you hearing so fast? And he explained the new surgery he had. And I was the first phone call that he made. And he could hear me perfectly. And the odds were against him ever here and again. And he's hearing again. He's now in heaven, by the way. But I can't wait to get there and say, Bobby, you've made a great illustration for me for over 20 years since I've known you. Wonderful men of God, really. But you know what? Even men of God can go through tough times and struggles. Some of you are going, boy, I can relate to that. I haven't prayed in a long time either. Don't ever stop praying when you're in a jam. Don't ever stop praying when you're in a tight spot. Keep that prayer life going. It's so vital if we're going to make it through and not let the devil win. So talk to God about your situation. Number two, that's number two. And don't turn your prayer life off. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 5. Then King Jehoshaphat went and stood before them. Who's the them? The people. The nation. He's having one of those fireside chats. Come on, everyone. Come on in. I need to talk. I'm going to just let you know right now. We're in a bad way. And he prayed how? Aloud. Out loud praying is a good thing when you're in a tight spot. Well, couldn't he have just bowed his head and said a nice little silent prayer? Yeah, but the people wouldn't have heard him. Well, God can still hear, right? Yeah, God can still hear. But you know what I find, or I've found in life? When I'm doing some really serious, serious praying, I tend to get on my knees. I learned that from Brother Walling years ago. I don't know why, Just uh, uh, at church sometimes that preacher would get on his knees and he would pray out loud. And that stuck with me. And whenever I'm in a tight spot, whenever a family member's in a tight spot, when our son was born, he was in a tight spot. I got Jane. I said, I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'm going to pray out loud. And I told her what I was going to pray. And if you want to agree with me, let's get on our knees. And we got next to our bed, and and we prayed to God out loud. Out loud praying keeps your mind focused on your prayer, doesn't it? You know, I prayed in my head before and kind of got a little off track and scattered and all. But when you're praying out loud, it's serious praying. He prays out loud. And here's his prayer. Jehoshaphat's model prayer. Number one, he reminds himself of who God is. And when I'm in a tight spot, I need to remind myself of who God is. Are you not the God who is in heaven? Oh yeah, that's me. I mean, if God's in heaven, isn't He like in charge of everything? Of course He is. You rule over not some of the nations, but all the nations. That includes these three nations coming against us. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Not even these three armies. Number two, I remind myself of what God's done in the past. I know something about every single one of you. Every single one of you have had very serious problems in the past, difficulties, rough things, maybe even brought tears to your eyes. But I also know something else about you. You're still here. You made it through. God hadn't forsaken you. Now, it may feel like that at times, but you're still here. You've had problems, and yet you're still here. Remind yourself of how God has gotten you through some very, very difficult times. I remember I was just a little boy, and my dad uh, had a, an accident back before the days of uh, when you got hurt at work where they helped you out, <laughs> no help. And he was in a back brace for like a year. My father was out of work for over a year, and he couldn't work, couldn't get another job. And you know what? Somehow he, he got the family together and said, "Well, you know what? We're probably not going to be going to the show as often, <laughs> if at all. You know, we're probably not. Gonna, we, we used to go to the show once a week and out to dinner once a week. Oh, that was it. everyone looked forward to that, and everyone got their turn of where we were going to eat and what movie we were going to see. And said, we're not going to be able to do that anymore. Well, why, Daddy? Well, Daddy hurt his back, and finances are tough. And he's we used to have family meetings, and I'm glad my dad explained to us what was going on. And you know, we never lost the house." We made it through a very tough time. But you look back at that, and I look back at that now with fondness, going, wow, my God got the Rokas family through a very difficult time when my dad injured his back. Think of a time when God got you through a very serious time. Remind yourself of what he's done in the past. Doesn't he say in verse 7, didn't you drive out those who lived in the land when your people arrived? He's going all the way back to the days of who? Joshua, when they crossed the Jordan River on dry land and went into the promised land and faced Jericho, a fortified city, and won because God fought for them. God gave them the victory in advance. He reminds himself of what God's done in the past. And then the third thing he does in his prayer is he asks for help now oh god verse 12 won't you stop them and so really his prayer is based around three questions isn't it are you not god the god of heaven did you not help us in the past remember when we crossed the jordan river and number three won't you do it again that's it so when I'm in a bad way, I remind myself I'm still here and I've had a whole lot of bad times and God has gotten me through. Keep talking to that God. Keep your prayer life up. Turn to God first. Talk to Him about your situation. And then number three, here it is on the, on the screen. Tell God exactly how you feel. It's okay to tell God you're, you're sad, you're mad, you're glad, you're angry, you're frustrated. Job did all that kind of stuff if you read that book. God doesn't get offended. He wants you, actually, to be really honest with Him. You know, we used to go to church after fighting all morning. My my dad and mom just never really got along when it came to being on time to church. And our, We were kind of new at church going, and we fought all the way there and all the way. But when we walked in the door, and they said, how's the Rokas family today? We put on our smiles, oh, everything's great, everything's great. Well, my mom and dad said that. And I would look at my brother and my sister and go, what are they talking about? Dad almost killed the whole family, whacking all three of us in the back street. <laughs> the car was... We're supposed to be on this side of the street, we're on that side of the street. Almost a head-on collision. Everything's great. Every, every family has its form of dysfunction, all right? <laughs> that was ours, you know. My dad had to be early or he was late. My mom, if she is late, she was early. just worked out that way. It's one of those families. I mean, you got five kids and one bathroom. It's tough to get there on time, right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. So, but tell God how you feel. Just go ahead and say, God, this is how I'm feeling today. And God can deal with that. Now, how was Jehoshaphat feeling? Verse 12b. We are, not only me, the whole nation is feeling how? Powerless. Every time in your life when you felt powerless, just don't know what to do, I'm powerless. Don't, don't have the energy, don't have the strength, don't have the power. We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. It's three against one. It's not a fair fight. God, we're powerless. I think it's interesting when you compare verse 12 back with verse 6. Remember verse 6? Look back in your, in your chapter there in your book. It says, but you have all the power. We are powerless, but God, you have all power. The power, power and strength are in your hands. So we're going to trust you. And that leads to point number four, when the odds are against you. Trust God to help me now. You, we've trusted you in the past. You got us out of a jam then. God, I need help again. 12C, we do not know what to do. Well, where's where's your eyes when you don't know what to do? But our eyes are on you. When you don't know what to do, turn to God. When you don't know what to do, put your eyes on Him. You take your eyes off of Him, you know what's going to happen? will give you a little illustration. Ever heard of, heard of a guy named Peter? The guy walked on water. No one else has walked on water other than Jesus. The only other human that I know of that ever walked on water was Peter. And guess what happened? He's just doing that. He's out of the boat. There's a storm. And he's, man, this is, wow, look at this. This is great. And who's he, who's he looking at? Jesus. But then all of a sudden, he realizes, wow. Boat over there. Jesus way over there. Me over here. And he starts to look at the wind and the waves and the sea and the storm. And what happens when you take your eyes off of Jesus and start looking at the storms in your life? You sink. He had enough sense, though, on his way down to say, Lord, save me. (laughs) And before he could sink, guess whose hand was there in a flash? Jesus. Some of you may feel like you're drowning. Some of you may feel like you're sinking this morning. Have you said, Lord, save me? Sometimes it's instant. Sometimes God says, I'm not going to let you drown. You know, you may swallow a little water, (laughs) but I'm not going to let you drown. Sometimes God takes a while. And I don't know where you are and how God is working in your life, but I know this. We're studying the life of Joseph in our growth group. And that dude, man, he had some really rough edges. When he was 17 years old and they threw him in a pit, I probably would have been one of them throwing him. That kid was a spoiled brat. He had a coat of many colors, and he bragged about that every day while we were wearing Costco Levi's, man, that guy had the best stuff on the, the real thing, man. He had that coat of many colors, and he showed that off. Neener, neener, neener. Daddy gave me the best job. He told me to check up on you, and you guys aren't doing very well. I'm going to go tell Dad. That's Joseph. But God also had a plan for Joseph. You're going to be a leader. You're going to save my people. But until you become a leader, i got to get you ready. And so what did he do? He used those brothers to sharpen him or knock off some of the rough edges. And then he used a guy named Potiphar to do the same. Then he used a prison warden to do the same. And then finally he becomes prime minister of Egypt. Twenty years have gone by. In this case, they won an instant battle. Sometimes God will work that way in your life. Sometimes you'll go, God, I need this right now. And bingo, He comes through. Other times, He may take 20 years to answer your prayer. So, what do you do in the meantime? Same thing, all these points. There are prayers some of you have been praying for 40 years. Keep praying if God's telling you not to quit. Hang in there. Turn to God first. Tell Him how you feel. Ask Him for help. God's response. Verse 15. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. Now, I know that's really easier said than done, right? I mean, when you're feeling low, when you're in the, you know, in the pit, it's kind of hard not to be discouraged. It's kind of hard not to feel overwhelmed. But that's what the Lord says to do. Keep a good attitude. When you're going through a hard time, And you don't whine about it all the time. I have a tendency to whine. I know it's in me. But when I don't, I think God gives us extra credit for having a good attitude. So, you know, I think it's okay to say when someone says, how you're doing, I'm okay. As long as we all realize that none of us are okay without Jesus, right? So hang in there. Good attitude. Don't be discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, then whose is it? It's God's. This is a God thing. See, back in Genesis, God says, I'm going to raise up from the seat a woman a person who will be born way over here to crush Satan's head one day. And throughout time, there's a battle between Satan and God. And God decided to use a nation. Well, he started with a man named who? Abraham. Isaac. Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons. One of those sons' name was Joseph. See the role that Joseph plays in this pattern? And then there will be another down the line, David. You can follow David's sea light all the way to Jesus. Jesus was born of a virgin named Mary from the tribe of Israel. If those three armies got their way, guess what? No Jesus. So, you know, when the Lord says, "You don't have to be afraid of these three armies?" I got to have a Jesus born. And he's going to come through Israel. You're going to win. I don't think he understood all that, but you and I do, so I'm pointing it out, right? The battle is God's. The battle's not yours. Some things you just got to turn to God and say, God, this one's your. I can't do it. I am helpless. I am powerless. But you have all the power. And so just learn to relax sometimes. You know, if, if there is this problem going on in your life that you can absolutely do nothing about, guess who you're going to have to rely on? God. And there's going to be problems that you will face in life where you can do something about it. And so then the Bible says, watch and pray. So you're doing both. You're doing what you can and you're turning to God. You're saying, God, you know, I'm, I'm doing my part. I'm, 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 I'm walking in faith. You know, I'm looking for a job. I'm out there. The applications are here. I'm, I'm beating the streets. I'm doing everything that I know what possible, but I'm still watching you. Okay? So you're doing your part. But then there are other times that things are just totally out of your control. You ever have surgery and they put you out and now it's in the doctor's hands? You, you, you're just there. It's out of your control. So what do you do? You just got to let that go to God. God, the battle's now yours because I'm out. (laughs) I'm expecting you to show up and guide the hands of this physician and um, get that cancer out, whatever you're facing. Get it all out and be done with it. God, that's your battle. So you've done all you can do. And as you're going under, you pray one more time. God, the battle's not mine, it's yours. God, I, I can't do this thing. The battle's not mine, the battle's yours. Can you imagine someone thinking that they were the power source? Can you imagine being on a jet airplane, commercial airliner? The, the captain comes on and says, We've been cleared for takeoff. And man, it starts roaring down the runway. You, you've felt this if you've been on a plane, right? And man, the acceleration, you're being pushed back and you feel like, man, this is so cool. And the guy across the aisle from you starts doing this. <laughs> and the stewardess from the back sees him, sir, and row 17C, you can put your hands down. No, ma'am, got to help this plane get off the ground. Sir, that is not necessary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it is, you know. <laughs> and you can just see this guy. Th- now the plane's up. It's it's at altitude. You can put your hands I just want to make sure it stays up, you know. And you know, about an hour or two into it his arms are tired Ugh. and they fall. To the- is that plane going down? No. Why? He wasn't the power source. Right? Those engines were the power source. Who is our power source? God. It's the same thing. We sometimes think we are the power source. God is the power source. Ask him. Ask and you shall receive. Verse 17. You won't need to fight this battle. Oh, I love it sometimes when God just comes through. Mm. This is rare, by the way, folks. Rarely does God just fix something. He usually takes a problem or a situation to grow you, like he did Joseph. But on this one, you won't need to fight this battle. Just stand strong in your place, and you will see the Lord save you. So what is my job, according to this verse? My job is to stand strong and show up to the battle. It's God's job to bring me the victory. So what's necessary for victory? I'm going to stand strong and I'm going to keep my faith in God. God says, I've got this victory. He's going to handle it. And so I show up to the battlefield. So did the army still have to show up on battle day? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're going to have to show up. But the victory is God's. God is the power source. Verse 20. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in His prophets, and you will be successful. That's just another word for victory. You're going to get the victory today, but then what do you do? There's one more thing. This is so important. You turn to God first. You talk to God about your situation. You trust Him for help, and then you thank God in advance. You thank Him in advance. Could you imagine, praise team, if you were living back in that day of time, and he says, okay, here's the battle plan. I want you guys to go ahead of the army. Army, generals, we got to show up to the battlefield, God said. He said, we're going to get the victory. But I want the generals and the army to follow who? The praise team. Praise team, you're out in front. And praise team, here's what I want you to do. I want you to start thanking me for the victory that's about to come. And so you start singing all the praise songs you can think of. Thank God with a grateful heart. Thank God. All those songs, man. Praise God. He's the victory that overcomes the world. All those songs that you can think of. So they're out there singing, thank you, God, for the great victory. We're going to win, and all these guys are going to die, and we're going to give God the glory. Man, there's great power in that. Let me tell you something. Verse 21, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him. This is what they're saying. Give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. Picture that. Three armies coming in. The praise team out in front. And they get a wonderful, wonderful victory because the power source shows up during the praise song. Somebody says, well, wait a minute. That's not the way I do things around here. When I ask God for something, I wait for Him to complete it. Then I praise Him. You got it wrong. But that's the way most of us do it, right? You don't thank Him in advance, do you? When, when you wait to thank God after He accomplishes what you ask for, does that take any faith? That's just gratitude. You're saying, God, I prayed for this. You gave me that. Thank you. But when you actually thank God in advance before you receive the victory, that's faith, isn't it? you see the difference? God wants you to thank him in advance of the victory. So you're praying for something you say, God by the way, thank you in advance for this victory. Now you give him the veto power, that part of it's there you, we, we know that but I want you to see the, the the gist of this story. these people were thankful, grateful hearts and then what happened? verse 22. At that moment, the very moment they began to sing and to praise, the Lord, the power source, caused the armies of Ammon and Moab and and Mount Seir to begin fighting among themselves. They destroyed each other. There's power in thanking God. There's power in praising God. There's power in expecting God to show up. And what's the result? Verse 25. So Jehoshaphat and his men went off to carry the plunder. What's the plunder? You know, when a military army comes to fight, what do they got to bring with them? Well, they got to bring swords and shields and, and, and animals and food and supplies and clothing and tents and all that stuff. You know, some money to pay for things, gold, silver. So, whenever you go into about it, you got to come with all these supplies. So, what did Israel get to do that day? They didn't have to fight. They said to praise God, show up, stand strong. Their hardest job of the day was picking up all the spoils of war. And how long did that take them? One day? No. Still a whole lot more than that. Remember, there's three armies. Two days? No. Took a lot more than that. Three whole days. They're picking up the spoils of war. And guess what they named that place? They named that place the Valley of Barak. You know what that means? The valley of praise. You'd praise God too. If that happened to you. How do you get there? By thanking God in advance. And so when Christians act the way they ought, guess what? Your non-believing neighbors and friends will take notice of that. Look at verses uh, 29 and 30. When the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord Himself had fought against the enemies of Israel... The fear of God came over them. Well, I guess so. So Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace. For God had given him rest on every side. Don't you want peace on every side of your life? Don't you want peace on your family side? Don't you want peace on your career side? Don't you want peace on your financial side? Don't you want peace on your social side? Don't you want peace on your relational side? How do you get that? By asking God to solve your problems, staying in tune with God. That becomes a testimony to unbelievers. Now, we're going to close with this. What difficulty are you facing this morning? What battle are you fighting? What tight spot do you find yourself in today? Are the odds against you? I suggest you turn to Jehovah Nisi, the God who defends you. Let's pray. Now maybe, just maybe, some of you are going through a tough time right now. Maybe you are in a tight spot. Our prayer room is going to be open to you here in just a moment. If you need prayer, go in there. We, we have an elder and his wife, that are willing to pray for you. Maybe the pressures in your family are building up. Maybe the pressures at the workplace are really getting to you, and you feel like you're about to explode. Maybe you feel like everyone and everything's ganging up on you. Would you take these spiritual steps of faith that we talked about this morning from from this wonderful chapter in the Bible God brought you here to say, the battle is not yours that you're fighting. The battle's mine. So would you just relax and trust me? I'm still in control, but you stand firm in quiet confidence and watch me handle this for you. Right now, every single one of you, think of your greatest problem right now. And now say, dear God, thank you in advance for working out that problem that I'm facing. I realize that you are the power source, not me. Thank you in advance for the victory. Now, if you're not a a Christian, your biggest problem is your sin problem. And you know, that can even be fixed today very easily. Ask Jesus Christ to fix that first. Trust Him today. In Jesus' name, amen.